Good morning, Seacoast. How many of you are grateful for worship leaders that can sing country and make us cry? I want to wish you all a very happy Father's Day. We're so glad that you're with us this weekend. I want to welcome also those of you who are joining us online, or maybe you're at one of our campuses. I know McClellanville, uh, Columbia, you guys are with us this weekend. We're glad you're here. If you are online watching and you're playing golf, your dad somewhere, just turn this off and catch it later, okay? Uh, but, but we're grateful. Uh, man, I'm so grateful for, for Father's Day and the fathers that are in my life. I know I've got my dad sitting here on the front row today and grandpa and uh, just grateful. My brother, a lot of great dads in my life. And so one more time, let's give it up for the dads that are among us. You know, I know a lot of times we wonder how we're doing and we're trying to lean in as dads, but I just want to encourage you. You're here. Uh, you, you are, you're crushing it. Uh, you, you're setting an example of a spiritual leader in the home. You're in church, whether you do this all the time, or maybe you're here for the first time. I just want to encourage you. You're stepping into something that's going to help you as a father. And so we're, we're grateful for it. You know, summer is here and, uh, we've been trying to lean in and maximize some moments. And so have a, a lot of playtime out in the yard. And uh, the other day we were out in uh, my brother's uh, yard, actually, we we're playing a game called handball. Uh, and I don't know if you've played handball before, but when I grew up, it was different. Now handball is, is soccer, except you're using your hands instead of your feet. So you've got two nets set up and, and it's almost like soccer meets ultimate Frisbee. You throw the ball and you can only take a couple steps when you catch it. Then you have to throw it to somebody else. And, and you're trying to, trying to get the ball in the goal. And so we're playing, all the kids are playing, young kids, older kids. And, and one of our friend's kids, uh, he's a 15-year-old boy, his name's Jesse. He was playing goalkeeper uh, on the team that I was playing against. And I don't know what your philosophy in life is, but for me, 15, you're treated as an adult. Like, you're, you're, you're ready to handle the heat, if you know what I mean. Like, you're 15 years old, we're good. And so, uh, so we're playing, and it's a tight game, and we're coming down to the close, and and my son is on my team, and he throws me kind of a handball version of an alley-oop. He throws the ball up in the air, and I jump up, and I catch it. And at the top of my jump, which is probably five, six feet off the ground, I'm not going to show it to you <laughs> right now, but um, I catch it, and I turn in one motion. And this is like this one motion. You don't get this on your first time. This is me after years of experience of handball, but turn in the air, and I just sling it as hard as I possibly can. And I know I'm going to score the goal that's going to put us up. And as I'm turning and I, I, I let the ball go, I realize there has been a goalie shift change. And this is what I'm looking at in the goal. <laughs> this is my eight-year-old daughter, Ellie. And she's just happy-go-lucky. I'm playing goalkeeper now. And as I let that ball go, Sure, it's going to go on the back of the net. Everything in me wanted to take it back because I knew I had just made a mistake. And I did not put the ball in the back of the net, but the ball hit Ellie square in the face. Didn't go in the net, by the way. She made the save. So good job, Ellie. She's here on the front row. But I'm telling you, I mean, she falls back into the back of the net. She's crying. And obviously, immediately, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I get down and I'm you know, kind of consoling her, and she's actually in the front row. Do you forgive me, Ellie Bean? All right, she says, all right. But, but I tell you that story because it's, it's such a picture for me of fatherhood, like uh, great intentions, but there are these moments, right, where you find yourself doing something, and it's not usually throwing a soccer ball 
in the face, but sometimes it's a misfired word. Uh, it's, it's a misfired moment, and, and we make mistakes, and it's this journey of up and down and doing the best that we can. I remember when we had our first son, our, our only son, but our first child, I remember we were so committed. We were going to get it right. I think about my parents thinking back on those days. Y'all had to think we were crazy. I mean, we were just like they had to do all the things right. We'd taken all the classes. We were going to be good parents. We weren't going to mess up our kids. Uh, we were going to do our very, very best. And if you only see what happens on Instagram, we're crushing it. I mean, we are doing a great job. But as is probably the case with some of you, uh, there's some moments in between uh, where we make mistakes and we, we mess some things up. And, and I want to do today, I just want to encourage you uh, today that, that, that on Father's Day, we're going to continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount. We've been journeying through this message that Jesus preached, but I really want to specifically talk to dads. And, and here's what I realize and know is that not everybody in the room is a dad. In fact, probably the dads are the minorities in the room right now. You may not be a dad right now. You may not be a dad yet. And many of you will never be a father. But would you agree that when dads lean in and when dads are inspired to, to really lean in and, and take spiritual leadership in the home, that everybody gets better, the home gets better. People say mom, you know, ain't nobody happy when mama's not happy. And that's true. I've got testimonies on that as well. But when dads are leaned in, everybody gets better. And I'm going to share some stats with you in a few minutes that, that show you that, man, I believe we live in a culture right now that's in a crisis of a lack of fatherhood and dads leaning in. And so today uh, I'm going to talk to the dads. I'm not going to make dads feel guilty. You're here today. You're on the right track. I want to inspire you to take it to the next level. And I think there's something for everybody in it. So if you're not a dad, lean in. You're going to get something as well. Our team did a little bit of research. Uh, the phrase, how to be a good dad, that's Googled 3,000 times every month. You know, that's not bad. That 3,000 times, there's a dad who's struggling, who's looking to figure out how it can grow, and he pulls out his phone or computer, and he Googles how to be a good dad. Now, how to be a good mom that's Googled 40,000 times every month. Little bit of a difference there. There could be a lot of reasons for that. I think one of them is that we just got it figured out. Our dads, we, we know it. We got it figured out. Uh, moms need a little more help than us. That, that could be one of the, the scenarios. Maybe we're searching scripture instead of Google. You know, moms are on Google. Dads, we're looking into the word of God to find out how to be a good dad. That's, that's the explanation. Or maybe, maybe... Uh, we're not as leaned in as we could be and want to be and should be. And so I want to help you answer that question today. And we're going to use the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew chapter 7. The verses that we're going to use today are, are, are Jesus is bringing the message to a close. If, if he was preaching today, this is the point in the sermon. We've talked about a lot of things. Uh, we've talked about the Beatitudes, and we've talked about divorce and adultery and giving and worry. And uh, we've talked about prayer. We've talked about a lot of things. And this is a point where he says, hey, I want the, the worship team to come back to the stage and we're going to land this, this plane. We're, we're going to bring this sermon to a conclusion. And so over the next couple of weeks, uh, we've got three more weeks, including today in this series. But this is really where Jesus turns the corner and he's beginning to land it. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, 
and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. He's saying, hey, we've talked about what it looks like to live a kingdom life, to live in this new reality, this new kingdom of heaven. And as he brings it to a close, he says, but sadly, friends, most of us aren't going to lean into this. Most of us are, are going to feel like it's too hard. We're going to feel like it's too difficult. And he paints this picture of two different paths. And it reminds me of the, the poem that I learned about in high school, you know, the Robert Frost poem that finishes by saying, I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood. And I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. I want to encourage us today. There are two roads. There are two roads, two options for us as it comes to parenting, but also as it comes to life. And one of them leads to, to a really narrow place. And the other one leads to life and to freedom and to fulfillment. And that's what Jesus is trying to show us two distinctly different paths. Which one are we going to take? So as we jump into this, Jesus on the road to life, I've got an acronym for you, three points, and they spell out the word dad because it's Father's Day and we can be cheesy like that. In fact, I, I do have a, um, a Father's Day joke for you. It was on my coffee cup right before I came in here today. It's why did the shrimp not share his belongings, his treasure with the other fish? Because he's a shellfish, shellfish, get it? Just, you know, that's free. It's Father's Day. We have a license to be just a little bit corny. But how do, how do we take this road that leads to life? Number one, I need to determine the right road. I need to determine the right road. Look at Deuteronomy 30, verse 39, or verse 19. It says, this day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Choose life. Choose life. That's what Jesus is saying. There's two roads. One leads to life. One leads to death. Get on the right road. Really, the imagery that comes to mind for me when I think about these two distinct journeys that Jesus is showing us is a funnel. Uh, you guys have seen these before. But a funnel, on one hand, if you look at it, it's like very wide entrance easy way to get in, but everything that goes into this funnel is going to come out of a very narrow, narrow exit. And Jesus is saying, hey, there's two options for life. One of them is really wide. Everybody gets on it, but it takes you to a very narrow place that leads to death. But what he's encouraging us to do is to flip the funnel. Say, hey, but there's another way to do it. It's a narrow entrance and it's a narrow road. But if you'll take that narrow road, and if you'll walk on this narrow path through this narrow gate, it will lead you to a place of freedom and of life. And, and, and you know, I think about my parenting journey with, with Lisa and I. We used to use, we, we did a course called Baby Wise when we were growing up. And, and they would teach us anytime we had like behavior issues with our kids, we would use the phrase, hey, we need to narrow the funnel. The funnel's too wide for them right now. They've got too much freedom. And so it's creating 
kind of confusion for them. We need to narrow it. And, and so we'd have our, our one-year-old and we'd go, hey, you know, what cup do you want to drink out of today? You want the blue cup or the red cup? You want the tall cup? And they'd be like, uh, I want the blue. No, I'm not drinking out of the red cup. I want the blue. And we're like, okay, we got to narrow the funnel. Too many choices for them. Too many options. We need to narrow it down. And, and, and Jesus is saying, hey, God in his sovereignty and in his grace for us, he's narrowed the funnel for us. He's, he's shown us the way that's going to lead to life. But the problem is we live in a culture that would say, hey, listen, there's all kinds of options. There's all kinds of paths. You choose the one that works for you. And Jesus is saying, uh-uh, that's not how it works. So you'd say, well, what is the path and how do I get on it? Look what Jesus says in John 10, verse 9. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Saying, hey, if you want to find that life, if you want to find that, that place of, of fulfillment and of blessing, you've got to do it through me. In John 14, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You may hear that today, and you may go, well, that seems a little bit narrow-minded. That seems a little bit you know, narrow-minded, especially in a culture we live in that would say, hey, it doesn't matter what path you choose. You do what's best for you. Isn't it a, a little bit narrow-minded to think that there's only one way, only one path, a narrow road? Jesus, d d don't, don't you have another Aren't you just a little bit closed-minded about that? And I'd say, well, maybe, maybe, but think about it this way. Let's just say that you owed a debt. Let's say that, you know, you, kind of inflation caught up to you. You didn't realize that your spending had gotten a little bit out of control. And all of a sudden you found yourself in a place where you owed $100 billion uh, to, to the government and you had no way of paying that off. Just a little bit, you know, a little debt, right? There was only one person who could pay that debt. Let's say his name was Elon Musk, for example, right? Because he's about one of the only ones I know that probably could. And, and, and if Elon was the only one that could pay that debt and he came to you and he said, hey, you know what? I know that you made mistakes, but I've got this. I'm going to pay that debt for you. You would not call Elon Musk narrow-minded. You would be very grateful and you would call him generous. And here's the reality for us. And we don't love to hear it. We don't love to talk about it. But we all owe a debt that we can't pay. It's the debt of our sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift and the grace of Jesus is eternal life through him. And, and Jesus came and he lived a life that none of us could live. He lived a sinless, perfect life. And he died on a cross. He gave up his life in our place, substituted for us. He paid that death for us. And, and not only did he do that, but, but, he, but he said, hey, I died, I did it, I did what you couldn't do, and I freely give you the gift of salvation because of what I did. That's not narrow, that's generous. That's, we should be grateful for that because he's the only one that did, the only one that could, and he did it in our place. And he said, I want you to come through me. Yeah, that's good news, isn't it? Good news of the gospel. So we've got to be a people, especially as dads, but all of us, to go, hey, the, the, the greatest gift that I can give my kids is to determine that I'm going to get on that narrow path, that I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus 
and experience the grace that he gives us. Because what did he say? That road leads to life. It's a life-giving road. The wide road, it takes us to a place of death. And so that's the, 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 the best thing that you can do for your kids today is to give your life to Jesus. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a few minutes. But we also have to decide which path of parenting that I'm going to take. You know, Jesus is saying, hey, he described the kingdom life. And he's saying not many people are going to do it. I would say in the parenting life, there's a wide road for dads. It's like kind of go with the flow and figure it out as you go. But there's also a narrow road. There's an intentional road that we can take in our parenting. I've been reading this book called The Intentional Father. It's a short book. And this is a book I would encourage you. If you are a dad and you have kids in the home, grab this book. It's going to be super helpful for you. But he describes five types of fathers in this book. He says, you've got five different types of fathers, and, and he leads us towards the last one. But the five fathers are the irresponsible father. This father is probably not represented very well in this room today. If you're here in church with your family, you don't fit this category. But this is the absentee dad. This is the dad who takes no responsibility for his kids. And the, 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 the stats in our culture will tell you that the homes where there's not a dad present, there's a whole lot of consequences to that. It's a road that leads to death. Kids in these homes are four times at greater risk of poverty, two times at greater risk of infant mortality. Isn't that bizarre? Even as a child, you're at greater risk of, of death if the dad's not around. You're seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen if you don't have a dad, if you have an irresponsible dad. Two times more likely to be obese two times more likely to drop out of school. So we know that's not the target. We don't want to be the irresponsible dad. This is why, by the way, if you don't have kids in the home right now, I, I would love for you to lean in right now because we have an opportunity to be a spiritual father for those that don't have it. That's why we have a mentoring program at the Dream Center. That's why some of the heroes are among us are the dads that you'll see in the foyer wearing Kids Co shirts, the dads that are going to serve this week at Kids Camp, that are leaning into the lives of kids that aren't even their own kids. Because, man, our culture is experiencing a wide road of fatherlessness right now. In fact, according to Gallup, there's 18 million children right now that are growing up with those dads, irresponsible dads. And we have a great opportunity as a church to step in and represent the father who is a father to the fatherless. And so you have the irresponsible fathers. You've got... You've got the ignorant dads. These are the dads that they don't realize it, but we're projecting our own insecurities and our own hurts into the lives of our kids. You've got the inconsistent fathers, and these are the dads that are torn by personal ambition. You know, you've got the capability of doing better at this fathering thing, but instead you prioritize your own job, your own hobbies, your own things. We don't want to be in any of those three fathers. But then he describes the involved father. And as I began to read about the involved father, I'm like, man, yeah, that's me. This is the dad who shows up to the sporting events, takes interest in the lives of his kids, but ultimately, because of busyness of life and maybe the failure to ask the right questions, he never really seeks to understand who his kids are and why God gave them to him. So I'm reading this and I'm like, yeah, the involved dad, that, that sounds like me. But yeah, I also don't know that I'm, I'm asking the right questions. And, and he says, hey, there's, a, there's a, a, a greater step, a greater level 
And that's the fifth dad. That's the intentional father. The intentional father. And this is the dad that is deeply invested in discovering who his kids are and how he can help them reach their redemptive potential. This dad sees parenting as central to his call before God and does it with all of his might. And as I was reading about this and reading this book, The Intentional Father, and studying the scriptures this week, I made a commitment. That's the dad that I want to be. I want to be an intentional dad. And that's the kind of dad that I want. If you're a seacoaster, if you're in this church, I want us to lean in and be intentional dads. And so I'm not going to sit here and tell you how to do it based on all of the things I've gotten right. I threw a soccer ball in the face of my eight-year-old daughter. So I'm, I'm not quite there yet. I'm working on it. But man, I'm leaning in and I want to be an intentional. I'm going to go on this journey of being an intentional dad. And I truly believe that if we as dads in the house today and online and at the campuses would go, you know what? I am going to be an intentional dad. I'm going to lean into this. We could change the world. There's such a need for this in our culture. And so, so, so we're going to determine the right path. And we're going to determine that for us, I'm going to give my life to Christ and I'm going to be an intentional dad. That's step one. Step two on this road that leads to life is I have to assess the key markers on the road. So I make that choice. I'm going to get on the road, but then I have to learn how to assess what are the key markers. And this is a challenge. Like, what should I be doing? <laughs> What's the things? How should I focus? What do I do? How do I know that I'm taking my kids in the right direction? Well, you know, Paul was a spiritual father to a young leader named Timothy, and he wrote this book, First and Second Timothy. And in First Timothy, verse four and verse twelve, he gives us some clues and 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 where we should focus. He says to him. Don't look, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. I love that. He affirms him as dads. We need to affirm our dads. Hey, you have what it takes. We need to affirm our kids. Hey, I, I believe in you. And that's what Paul is doing. Don't look at, let anybody look down at you. You're a long, young leader, but you, you have what it takes. And he says, I want you to set an example. And he gives five areas in your speech and your conduct and your love and your faith and in your purity. You know, if you're looking for a place to start, maybe take those five areas, speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. Go, I'm going to try to design some questions and some conversations with my kids around these five areas. Why these five areas? Because Paul knew that your speech actually determines your life. James 3.2 says, if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control every other way, control ourselves. He knew that, that our tongues are, are the, this muscle in our body that if we can learn how to control them and be the kind of person that speaks life instead of death, it's going to determine our conduct, that, that we could be people that would live lives of faith and love and purity. And so when I think about my kids, especially my son, we're having a lot of conversations just around what does it look like to handle even our sexuality in a pure way, to honor God with purity and in these five areas of our lives. You know, John Tyson and the Intentional Father, he talks specifically about boys. And he says, hey, there are five shifts that every boy needs to make to become a man. Shifts from boyhood to, to really being a man. And I want to share these with you because they're super helpful for me and, and where I'm taking, what are the mile markers that I'm bringing my son to? Number one, we need to take our 
our boys on the shift from ease to difficulty. Ease to difficulty. Boys do the easy thing. Boys kind of take the path of least resistance. But men, men learn that, man, we have to do hard things. We have to be, take the, 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 the difficult path from time to time. Take them on this shift. Let's teach them to be men. From ease to difficulty, from, from self to others. Boys, like all of us, right? What was the first word that your kids learned? Me, mine. That's mine, right? We don't have to teach our kids to be selfish. They get it inherently. That's part of that simple nature that leads us to death. But, but there's a shift that needs to happen as we're, we're going from boyhood to becoming a man. So we learn that actually our life is about other people. We're here to serve. Jesus came, you know, not demanding that people serve him, but he gave his life for others. You got to take them on this shift from whole to part. You know, boys think that they are the whole thing. They are the whole story. Life is all about me. But men learn that I'm actually a small part of a greater story. Man, I want my kids to learn this. You read through the Old Testament scriptures, and you can't get very far before there's a, a, a father figure telling his kids, hey, you need to know the story of our family. You need to know our heritage. We were slaves. And, and God rescued us and brought us to freedom. And, and they tell the stories of the miraculous things that God had done. Are you sharing those stories with your kids? Are you helping your kids see that, man, their life is part of a bitter, bigger picture? You know, this summer, I'm trying to be real intentional with my son. He's turning 15 this summer. And so one of the things that we're doing is we're going through Charleston and I'm taking him to some different places in this city that were formation moments for me and my spiritual journey. We're taking him to the house that I was in when I gave my life to Christ as a part of a Seacoast small group. Taking him to some of the places in Charleston that are significant spiritual moments. Setting up a dinner with him and my grandfather. So I want him to, to learn and ask questions of grandpa. Of what are the things that shaped you spiritually? Because he's part of a bigger picture. We need to take him from Ease to difficulty, self to others, whole to part. The last two are control to surrender, right? We, as men, we think, man, we got to control it. We're in power when we're controlling things. But the truth is the most powerful position you can be in as a man is a place of surrender to Jesus, living a life of faith. And we need to teach them to go from temporary to eternal. Boys think about the here and now. Men think about legacy. Men think about eternity. You know, boys think this is all that there is, but, but men think generationally. And so assess the mile markers. What would that look like for you? What are the key things that you want to focus on? I can't give you mine, but what I can do is help bring you into a journey where you're discovering those things, what they're going to be for your kids. What are the stories that you're going to tell? What are the memories that they're going to have that help shape them into men and women? The last thought for us. So I'm going to determine the, the right road. I'm going to assess the mile markers. Number three, I've got to decide to finish the journey. I've got to decide to finish the journey. Small is the gate, narrow is the road. You know what that tells me? It's not an easy one. And there are probably going to be moments where I fall short. This isn't a call to perfection. 
This isn't a call to always getting it right. This is a call to a journey that there are gonna be times maybe you've taken an off exit too soon. Maybe you've made some mistakes. Maybe there are some things, there's some regret that you have as a dad. And I just wanna encourage you, if we're gonna find this road that leads to life, we're gonna have to find the next on-ramp that we can and get back in the game. Proverbs tells us that the godly may trip seven times, but, but the righteous get up again. You know what determines the godly and the righteous in that verse? It's not whether they fall down, not whether they make mistakes, but it's whether they determine that I'm gonna get back up and I'm gonna finish this journey. And listen, I know as we've gathered here today that there are probably men on varying spectrums. Some of us carry a lot of pain today related to maybe some father wounds that we got from our parents. And, and here's the reality. Even those of us that try hard, we're gonna make mistakes. The model that I wanna give my kids isn't, hey, if you'll do these things right, you'll be a man of God. I wanna teach them those things because it is a narrow road. But the, the, the end of the day where the rubber meets the road, the difference between me and, and, and the next guy is just that I've learned to receive the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And I've learned how to repent and say that I'm sorry. And some of the most powerful moments that I've had with my kids are when I've blown it with them. As recently as yesterday, I took my daughter, eight-year-old daughter out on the golf course and we were about halfway through the back nine and I was frustrated and she was frustrated. I said some things and I had to pull her aside and say, Ellie, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And the godly get back up and say, wherever you are in the journey, maybe you don't have kids in the home anymore. Maybe you don't even have kids that you have opportunity to pour into, but you can do it spiritually for your spiritual kids. You're gonna say, you know what? I'm gonna get back up and I'm gonna stay in the game and I'm gonna be an intentional father. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for all of us. And so, like I said, I'm going on this journey together. There's a practical step that I would encourage you to take. If you're a dad in the room and you've got kids in the house, I would encourage you to, to get this book. I actually thought about buying this book for all of the dads in the house. And our team, we were talking about it. It would not be hard. You guys have been generous enough that we could do it. But I want you to have skin in the game. If, if you want to take this journey, I want you to go after it yourself. And we've got this book available in the bookstore. We've got a link that's up on the screen. If you want to take a picture of that link, uh, maybe type that link. Uh, there, there's a book, but then there's also something called The Primal Path. And it's a journey where he talks about you know, we've lost the art of initiation in our culture where we take our intentionally, especially with boys, he's got another one coming out with girls. And again, he doesn't even know we're doing this. The goal isn't to sell his stuff. It's just been really helpful for me. And so what I'm doing is I've already had a conversation with my son saying, hey, you're going into high school this year. I've got four more years with you. I wanna go on a journey together. Some things that I wanna pour into you, some investments that I wanna make so that on that day when you leave, there's some things I wanna make sure I've put into you. I wanna take a journey together. And then what I've done, I've had a conversation with a couple of his friends and there's some of his friends that I haven't had a conversation yet, not the friends, but with their dads. Saying, hey, I'm not looking to start a new small group. I'm not looking to, but you're raising kids. You're trying to go in the same direction. What if we did this together? What if we took our kids on this journey? You did it and then maybe a couple times a year we get together and just process, what are we learning? How are we growing? How are we taking our kids on this journey together? And I feel like if some of us would commit to doing this, we would be able to raise up a generation partnering with custom student ministry and all the great ministry that happens here 
and take our kids into a place where they're gonna be on that narrow road and they're gonna become men who make a difference in our culture. That's what I want for me, that's what I want for you. Sound good? So as we close, uh, it's Father's Day, and I just can't help but just reflect. I am not a perfect man. I'm growing, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm on the journey, but I am grateful that I'm living in the legacy of some men of faith. My dad, uh, who was my coach, basketball coach growing up and was just present in my life, and, and his dad, my grandpa, Pastor Hubert, he leads a, a small group here uh, for seniors in the church called Champions of the Faith. And man, so much of what I'm living in today is just the fruit of his legacy and of his faith that he passed on to, to his sons and that they've passed on to me. And so I asked my grandpa here on Father's Day, would he come and just pray a blessing over us, a blessing of just legacy over the, the fathers and the men in our house? So would you welcome Grandpa Hubert Surratt as he comes and just prays over us? you. Let's bow our heads together. The Lord put in his word that he had bestowed upon us the spiritual leadership. And I pray for a revival of leadership in a time of tragedy in one of the most stressful uh, eras that will go down in history. And we need leadership. And the Bible says that it's spiritual leadership, not driving, but leading. And what we need is men who will be men and men of God. And I ask for a great, uh, in filling of the Holy Spirit into our manhood and that we might be spiritual leaders. And to that we give you the glory and all of the honor. Amen. 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 Man, we can do this. We can do this. You have what it takes to be the leader and the man uh, for the people that God has entrusted you with. We're gonna respond together. And uh, as Seacoast, this is just a few moments where we ask the question, God, what are you saying to me today? And what am I gonna do about it? What am I gonna do about it? And you know, I, I don't know what, what God is saying to you specifically. I know there may be some of us that are here today and maybe even this conversation around fatherhood is difficult for you for a variety of reasons. Maybe you've lost a father recently. Uh, maybe you did grow up with that first category of dad that just wasn't there or available to you or said things and wounded you. And man, I, I get it. I just want you to know you're in a, you're in a safe place here. Uh, we're in this together. We're, we're gonna rally with each other. But maybe you wanna go to the cross and just take if there's an area of pain or of wounding or maybe of regret that you have. And this is not a, a house, this is not a faith that we're on where, where God wants to pour guilt and shame on you. We already talked about it. He took that for us. And so we're just gonna go and take whatever that pain is 
whatever that hurt, whatever that burden is, and we're gonna leave it at the cross. And I'm just praying that he will exchange in us a peace that passes all understanding, a, a sense of spiritual uh, fervor that I'm gonna do this, a, a sense of just commitment that I'm gonna lean in. And I'm gonna be one of those godly men that get back up and I'm gonna lead out of a place of health, not out of a place of woundedness. And so I wanna encourage you to go to the crosses and just experience God's presence and power in that way. You know, some of us are here today, maybe you've got a child who uh, there's a, a break in relationship for whatever reason. Uh, they're not uh, in, in, in right relationship with you or with God right now. And I just want you to know we're praying and believing that, that God is gonna, gonna, gonna meet you in that moment. But there's candles that are set up in the back. And I thought this weekend, what if we just went to the candles and you just interceded? That's one step that you can take right now. You can take action to be an intentional dad. And you can just go pray. Pray for your child. Pray that, that they know the love and mercy and grace of Jesus. Pray that, that your relationship would be reconciled. Take that first step of just interceding and praying with them. You know, we'll have prayer teams that are up front and, and maybe you're here today and you need prayer for some reason. Maybe it's related to what we've talked about today. Maybe it's related to something completely different. But I'm believing that there's healing in this room today and through the power of God. Believing that there's emotional healing, spiritual healing, physical healing, whatever you might need. Maybe you just want prayer for help. That we're gonna be intentional today. We'd love to pray for you. But then we also have the communion stations. And we talked earlier about that narrow road. The communion stations are, are here. They're representative of the body and blood of Jesus. That Jesus gave up his life for us. He exchanged his life for our death, spiritual death, so that we would be able to live with him. And again, it's not complicated. It's as simple as saying, you know what? I wanna surrender my life to Jesus. And if you're here today and you've done that, we wanna encourage you to receive communion. If you're here today and you need to do that right now, as we begin to sing and worship, singing a song called I'm Available, I just wanna encourage you to say in your own way, whisper this prayer, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm available, I'm surrendered to you. Would you help me to live this narrow road that leads to life? And then you can come and receive communion. Others will give tithes and offerings and we're gonna sing and celebrate an awesome God who loves us so much. So what's God saying to you today? Let's respond to him together.